The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Tuesday on Fantasy NBA Today. It's another fun one, folks. We got betting. We got the Welsh. That's right. Additional royalty here. Royalty free on Tuesday. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a hoop ball. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Go check them out if you haven't already. And on Twitter, they are at HoopBallFantasy. Folks, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please do drop a nice rating or review on the show. I know I say that at the end every day, and then I finish the show and think, damn, I should have said that at the beginning. So today, I'm saying it at the beginning. We got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to cover, uh, but I also want to try to jump right into the material fast, because I know you guys like that too. So... That's what we're doing today. We're going fast into the stuff. The return of betting continues here. Week two of our sort of uh, sort of return to betting, I guess. Well, I mean, we're almost like down the chute here. Um, three weeks to NBA's opening night. So officially at that point, then the betting will really have returned. But uh, you guys know what I'm getting at here. You guys know what's coming up next. My guy, Neil Rochelani, co-host of Fantasy NBA Today. See what I did there? I made it so you couldn't say... Thanks for having me at ball with Neil on Twitter. I'm not going to make any jokes today because uh, I'm filled with a, a special kind of rage today. <laughs> I'm going to get into that on the podcast. Neil, how are you? I'm doing better than you, I think. Um, I think we'll just leave it at that uh, from our pregame discussion. <laughs> but so um, I'm doing well. Yeah, betting actually starts next week, Dan. You got a preseason. Oh, on. I know the you action d- begins. Yeah, you said that last week on the pod, and I, I just, I can't. Like, I, I, there's, you really have to bet exclusively on a team you think where the young guys that come in are going to really care. Are there any teams? No teams really care in the preseason. I guess maybe you could more bet, you could fade teams in the preseason easier than you could bet on them. I don't know, man. What's your move with preseason betting? Yeah, I generally I mean, dodge the, it. They're the same angle, basically, right? Either you bet on someone or bet against someone. So. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to at least uh, do a little research before I make a wager and just probably, for lack of a better word, paper trade a couple games and see how it goes. You got the itch, I... don't you? Oh, my. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> uh, yes, you're you're a special kind here. I, that's, this is why we get along. Uh, again, he's Neil Rochelani. <laughs> We're going to talk about a few of the uh player awards we talked about mvp last week on tuesday we got a couple more in the hopper this week most improved and did we settle on defensive or sixth man as the other one uh we talked about defensive all right we'll go most improved player and defensive player of the year that's what we're talking about on today's show well obviously uh we got other things for the next two weeks i guess boy we got to make some headway in this don't we rookie of the year sixth man also on the table and then some thoughts on uh, average points per game, threes, assists, rebounds, blocks per game. There's some uh, there's some odds available on uh, actual you know counting stat stuff, and we'll get into those over the next couple of weeks as well. Um, where do you want to start? You want to do most improved, or do you want to do uh, defensive first? Let's do defensive. I think that's a little more common. Rudy Gobert is the odds-on favorite. Uh, at 1.75 to 1, so not great. Um, Giannis, 4 to 1. Paul George, 5 to 1. 
Anthony Davis. Am I am I off by one here? I'm I'm reading it off of a cheat sheet here. And regardless, it's very close to what we're giving you. Uh, Joel Embiid eleven to one. Anthony Davis eleven to one. Kawhi sixteen to one. Draymond Green and Miles Turner twenty to one. Do we have to go any farther than that? That's my first question. Are there any long shots? Should we work our way up from the bottom like we did last week? Uh, Mitchell Robinson, maybe. Mm. Twenty-five. He's right one. after Turner, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking up at the bottom, so I'll just I'll, I'll rapid fire these off, machine gun style. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Javale McGee, Avery Bradley is on this list. Andre Robertson, Stephen Adams, Marcus Smart. There's one buried deep in the the deepest darkest recesses. Marcus Smart. He has a lot of uh sort of name power with Boston and as a the the grinder type, but I don't think that the impact's going to be there. Kristaps, uh, Victor Oladipo, who's only going to play for 65% of the year. Pat Beverly, interesting name way down the list. Again, I don't know that you have enough profile there. Zion, that would be a pretty impressive win. Uh, there's another award on this list that he's got a better shot at. Rob Covington, Jimmy Butler, Jared Allen, Clint Capella, Al Horford, Brooke Lopez, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, and that gets us back to uh, the aforementioned Mitchell Robinson. Is there anyone in that, like, 50 to 1 or higher range? Because we found a couple of MVP guys way down at the bottom of the charts and thought, well, you know, maybe I'll throw $1 on this and see if I can win 200 I'm not seeing any real obvious defensive player of the years. There aren't any stories built in as much in this particular category. Yeah, probably not. I'd say the one that I'm, I might put a dollar on would be Jimmy Butler at 81 to one or 80 to one, excuse me. Um, only because Miami is such a, uh, Spolster is known as a defensive coach. They play really great defense. Butler's a great defensive player. Um, we'll see how hard he tries and how much they make him play on defense. But, um, I think the potential is there. A lot of this feels like you need a story around your name, and you have that with a guy nicknamed the Stifle Tower. You have that with Draymond. You know, you've got Lockdown D and all of the impact stuff and kicking people in the balls and what have you. Um, and Kawhi Leonard, even you have stories. You know, is the Claw is the nickname, and Anthony Davis can cover half the court, and Paul George. All of these guys up near the top, with a few small exceptions have defensive lore surrounding their names. And I just, I don't see that, like you said, really past, if you wanted to say the absolute farthest point would be Drew Holiday, who is an outstanding defender and probably one of the best defenders in the NBA, but doesn't really have the lore that some of those guys above him have. Um, I don't think I can bring myself to put a buck on any of those guys way out. Marcus Smart, maybe, uh, Pat Beverly, maybe that's a reputation dollar on defensive player of the year. Um, my actual bet on this one is, is largely going to come down to sort of how the teams go. I think 20 to one on Draymond green actually has some legs in that kind of top 10 neck of the woods. What are you looking at up there? Oh yeah, that was, that would be my first pick. I mean, with the odds and the, he has the potential to be, um, first team all defense, right? Yeah. So, why not defensive player of the year? Why not? And if his what if his team yeah. overperforms with everybody hurt besides Dre and Steph? And, you know, I know D'Lo's there, but he's not sort of part of the story in Golden State going back. Uh, if they stop people, if they play defense, if they win, Draymond Green's going to get a lot of credit for that. Um, 
Whereas with a guy like Miles Turner, you have the big blocks numbers, but I don't know that he gets the credit when Indiana plays great defense that same way. Kawhi gets credit, uh, but he and Paul George will probably take votes away from one another. Could Joel Embiid take it home? I mean, he's a great defender, but I don't know that that's the... I don't know that that's his reputation, even though he's actually very good at it. Yeah, that's a good point. He is one of the best defenders. But his reputation is more of the um, the offensive threat and you know his uh, high-scoring, high-rebounding. Gosh, I kind of like Anthony Davis, too, if, if there's a story around the Lakers this yeah, year. Yeah, yep, that one's got some legs as well. Do you think Rudy Gobert could take it home again? Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably going to be the one who wins it. That's not fun. <laughs> I know, but I mean, that's why the odds reflect that, right? Yeah. They're, like you said, they're, they're probably going to compete for the Western Conference regular season title, and he'll be a big part of that. So, All right, so let's play the game we did last week where we have $10 to spend, to spread around to some of these guys. Um, I will go first again since I, I forced this game upon us, <laughs> so I feel like that's only fair. Uh, I'm going to put $1 on Marcus Smart. Uh, I'm going to put... One dollar on Patrick Beverly, so I've got eight bucks to to spend on the top guys. I'm gonna go five on Draymond Green, and two on Anthony Davis, and one on Rudy Gobert. No, I'm not even gonna bet on Rudy Gobert. The odds are so clunky there; it doesn't even make sense. So uh, five on Draymond Green, uh, and the other three on Anthony Davis. I'm really I'm paring it down in this one. I'm not spreading it around too much. Where do you drop your ten bucks on Defensive Player of the Year? I'm going to throw one on Robert Covington. Ooh, my guy. Yeah, I know. That's why I did it. Uh, no, I, I think let's, let's say Minnesota outperforms, and he's a big part of it. Um, so one on Robert Covington, one dollar on Jimmy Butler, as I mentioned. I'm going to go with, uh, gosh, Draymond is probably my best one, but I want to do the same thing you did. You're allowed to. So, Maybe people will think we know something if we agree. <laughs> no, I don't. Is that going to be the case? Uh I'll, okay, let's go with three on Draymond. So I'm up to uh, five. Yeah. And then I would go, I'd go the rest on Anthony Davis. Mm, okay, so you and we flip flop. I had five on Dre, three on AD, and you went uh, five AD, three on Dre. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm all good. I'm good with that. And then a couple of ridiculous long shots. Most improved. This list is absurd. The list is, what, 45 players long? I mean, I don't even know. I, I legitimately have no idea where we should begin with this one. Um, I'll give you guys a few of the top names on this list. But, they, I mean, it goes, There's there are legitimate candidates up and down this one. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony is at the bottom of this list. I, we'll throw in a few of the fun ones here at the outset. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is on this list at 150 to 1. Um, IT is on this list at 101. So is Derek Rose. Those are probably the silly ones. And then there's just a lot of guys that actually have a, a case to be made. So, uh, man, you want me to just go? I'll machine gun off 45 names here. You feel like sitting back for a minute in your rocking chair? Please do. All right. I'm going to give you the Ace Ventura. Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Bam Adebayo. This is, by the way, from uh, worst odds to long shot odds. DeJounte Murray, John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Malcolm Brogdon, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Thomas Bryant, Trey Young, Demonis Sabonis, Jonathan Isaac, Brandon Ingram, Karis LeVert, Jalen Brown, Jonas Valanciunas, Miles Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevon Looney, Lowry Markinen, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, Aaron Gordon, Chetty Osman, Delon Wright, Dennis Smith Jr., Jamal Murray, Julius Randle, Kelly Oubre, 
Mitchell Robinson, Norman Powell, Montrez Harrell, OG Ananobi, Stephen Adams, Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, skipping over a couple of names that I already read, Jared Allen, Tyus Jones, and Zach Collins. Oof. I think the move here is look for a storyline, is it not? I mean, that's what a lot of these full season awards end up sitting on, is who had the expectation, who can fulfill it. And it's probably why Jason Tatum is the odds-on favorite is because he, people now have started to doubt him after kind of a whatever second year in the league. Um, even Jason Tatum is 9-1. to one. There's really no true favorite here. Yeah, that's surprising. I also don't like most improved to someone who was a high draft pick. Um, so I would not pick him out of just that spite. But anyway, I think he's going to have a monster season. So maybe he should be the... The odds favorite, if not that great of a money favorite. Um, I know you're going with Terry Rozier, though, right, as your pick? Oh, he has a he has a massive storyline circling around him. If he's not horrendous, yes. he's going to get the usage to be where people are going to be like, oh, this guy averaged nine points last year, and now he's at 22, and it only took him 44 shots to get there. Uh, yeah, he's got, he's got a great storyline hovering around him. Um, I think if you're looking at this as as someone on the outside handicapping, you go down the list, and for me at least, I cross off all the names of people that I don't think can make the type of see-it-with-your-eyes-on-paper leap that you need to win an award like this. Like Pascal Siakam, uh, his paper leap, his actual leap was outstanding as well, but it translated to actual stats on the floor, just massive numbers everywhere from a guy that had almost no offensive game two years ago. Uh, I think you can cross off a guy like DeJounte Murray, because even when he's great, he's not going to be scoring. So he's probably not going to get the attention. You can probably cross off Jason Tatum, because, like you said, he was a high draft pick. He actually put together good numbers. So to go from good, you have to go from good to great to get to that top rung. What about Bam? Do you think there's enough meat on the bone with Bam Adebayo? I'm thinking as a center who doesn't have to score much, that would be a tough sell. Yeah, his counting stats won't be that great. Um, so I don't, like you said, his uh, his numbers won't be great, which is a big part of the story, unfortunately. So I would say no. What about uh, uh, what about John Collins as we're working our way down the list? Is there enough of a leap for him to potentially take? I, I, I mean, he was 20 and 10 last year. How much better could he get? Yeah, exactly. You already had some great numbers, so I don't think they can improve that much. I am looking at someone more like, um, I don't know, if somehow, I know Brandon Ingram has some health issues, but if he really busts out in New Orleans, maybe. Um, maybe. Shea. Maybe Shea, and I'm thinking maybe JJJ, too. Oh, He's yeah. Really, oh, yeah. He should definitely be on that list, because his numbers were down last year. I mean, there's actual room for number jump with him here's a game we can play and we'll we'll try to do this at a decent clip here because i know there's so many names um we're basically just going thumbs up or thumbs down on this stuff as we work our way from the top of the list to the bottom we've already covered the top whatever that was six or seven names five names geez we only did five all right thumbs up thumbs down De'Aaron fox i'm a thumbs down because i feel like last year was his leap already oh gosh yeah he's already improved Malcolm Brogdon, yeah, same, kind of the same story. Malcolm Brogdon, already improved. Already, already won a reward, too. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I don't think there's enough for him to do in Sacramento. Thumbs down for me. Thumbs down. Luka Doncic, um, I think he was too good already, but if the Mavs are really, really, really good this year, he could end up getting a lot of the credit. Uh, I'm going to say very slight thumbs up for me on Luka. 
I say thumbs down. He's already got the rookie of the year. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Uh, Marvin Bagley, um, thumbs up actually on this one. I agree. He has a potential to, if he could score 24 a game or something and 12 rebounds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't think people paid any attention to him last year. Shay, uh, same story. I don't think anybody paid attention to how good he already was last season. Thumbs up for me. Yeah. And plus his counting stats weren't great. Thomas Bryant. Um, I know Washington's terrible, but there's just not enough for him to do there. Thumbs down. Yeah, same. He's not going to get that much usage. Trey Young, too much name recognition from season one. Thumbs down. Oh, yeah, same thing. He's already had, he already has expectations are too high. Damanis Sabonis, I think last year was his year to potentially win it. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Jonathan Isaac, thumbs up if the Magic actually let him play. Now, when I say thumbs up, that doesn't mean that I'm a big fan of this wager. I do think that there's opportunity for him, so I'll go thumbs up. Yeah, I think the opportunity is there, but I don't think he has a chance to get there either. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's like thumbs sideways for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At least we got one out of two parts. Uh, Brandon Ingram, thumbs down. He was already averaging 20 points a game, pretty much. Yeah, I just think thumbs up because of his health condition. It could be a good story. That would be a good story. Karis LeVert, big thumbs up. He started last year hot. This is his last chance before Kevin Durant comes back. I'd say thumbs down. <laughs> Sorry, I just you're a wet blanket, Neil. I know. I just he's already had that kind of pop buzz happen once. Yeah, that's true. Um, Jalen Brown, I don't think he's going to have a big enough role this year. Thumbs down. Yeah, he's still a role player in that team. Although I do love that he's a Cal Bear, so give him some love there. Jonas Valanciunas, too old. (laughs) Yeah, too boring. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, I love him. Um, but yeah, you're not gonna Miles Bridges. Uh, thumbs up. People, I don't know if people knew how good he was last year. This could be the one I bet on. Yeah, there you go. DeAndre Ayton, no, he already did enough last year. Yeah, exactly. Thumbs down. Jaron Jackson, big thumbs up. I think you and I agree on that one. Like him. Yep. Kevon Looney, um, I like the opportunity, but I don't think he's going to do enough. Thumbs down. No, I don't think he'll do enough as well. You're right. Lowry, too good already. Thumbs down. Yeah, I think so. I'd say thumbs sideways. Thumb sideways. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> ranking of all. <laughs> I'd say I'm in between. I think there's potential for him because he hasn't had a full season yet still. No, but man, he, he, I don't know. There's, there was a lot of buzz. I just, I'm, yeah. oh, wait, we're almost coming up on the one where we <laughs> get sidetracked. Um, Lonzo Ball, oh boy. Um, I'll say thumbs up. What if he does have a decent year? People would love that story. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to have a big enough role. No, probably not. Thumb sideways. Markel Fultz, I got to go thumbs up. A very small thumbs up. But if he even plays a whole season, they would try to give it to him. That's a, that is the lead storyline in this one. Best feel-good story of the year if he does it. So, yep. yeah, let's yep. give him a chance. Yeah. Aaron Gordon, no, come on. He's been in the league for, what, three, four years already? Thumbs down. He'd have to have a massive change in his game yeah. for this to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Chetty Osman, I just don't think he's that good. Thumbs down. <laughs> well, then, then fair enough. <laughs> he, he says, yeah, I don't think he's good enough either. Delon Wright, he um, he's actually really good, but I don't know that I don't know that he's going to do the kind of counting stats that people are going to pay attention to. So while I'd love to say thumbs up, I'm going to go thumbs down. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to say thumbs up just because I, I drafted him in my fantasy team. So well, I like him. I like him for yeah. fantasy. I just I'm not as much yeah. for stu- Dennis Smith Jr. Get out of here with this nonsense. Thumbs down. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I'd say thumbs up only because the opportunity is there. Yeah, I guess. Ugh. Jamal Murray, too good already. Thumbs down. Yes, exactly. Julius Randle, too good already. Thumbs down. Oh, yeah. He's already... Yeah, it's crazy. Kelly Oubre, slight thumbs up. Do you think people paid attention to how good he was when he went to Phoenix last year? I don't. There's room here. 
No, he's gotten no national attention. If he if the Phoenix is good and he's scoring twenty plus points a game, yeah, for sure. Mitchell Robinson, I have no idea how to feel on this one. I don't know what the general public thinks of Mitchell Robinson. Like if he has a whole season like he did the last two months of last year, could they actually give it to him? Just not knowing that that's what he was already doing. Um, I'm gonna say thumbs down because I don't think he's gonna score at all. Yeah, that's the thing. He's gonna be great on. Uh, some defensive stats, but not much scoring. Yeah. Norman Powell, eh, I don't like his game that much. Thumbs down. I actually like his opportunity. I'd say thumbs up. Montrez, last year was his chance. Thumbs down. Yeah, he already had his blow-up year. <laughs> OG Ananobi. Yeah. Uh, does he do anything? Thumbs down. Yeah, I don't think. He, he's he's a great defensive player, but not an offensive player. Steven Adams, I mean, he's he's already Steven Adams. Thumbs down. And same thing for Andre Drummond. I'm going to put these two together. These are established veterans now. Yeah, that's crazy. They can be in this. this well, this is a they're pretty deep. Yeah, we're way down so. the list now. <laughs> uh, are you with me? Thumbs down on both of those guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Luke Kennard. I mean, nah, nah. I mean, I guess there's a chance there because he nobody has any idea who he is. And if he's like 20 points per game, Luke Kennard. But that ain't happening. Thumbs down. Yeah, I think the opportunity's there, but I don't... Yeah, he's not going to get there. Derrick Rose, the players do love him, but I've put my dollar on him for MVP already, so <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> uh, you're an honorary Chicagoan. Um, thumbs thumbs down as well, yeah. IT, thumbs down. Yeah, he's not even playing. Gerald Allen, thumbs <laughs> down, dealing with DeAndre Jordan now. Yeah, not enough playing time. That's crazy. Tyus Jones, thumbs down. I just don't think he's good enough. Yeah, likewise. Carmelo Anthony, he's not on a team. Thumbs down. (laughs) (laughs) Zach Collins, thumbs up, actually. This one's a really interesting ultra long shot. This would be my first dollar. Zach Collins, for sure. He Uh, could have Portland top three in the West, and he's a big part of it. You never know. You never know. Zach Collins gets one of my dollars as well. Uh, Kelly Oubre gets one of my dollars. Markel Fultz. Uh, gets one of my dollars. Who the hell else did we say in there? Jaron Jackson Jr., Miles Bridges. Uh, I, I think I had I had Karis LeVert. You did not. Jonathan Isaac gets a dollar. Shea, Marvin, and that was pretty close. And Terry Rozier, way up at the top as one of the favorites. I think those were my, my leading candidates. You had a couple that I didn't, though. Yeah, you're just making it rain, though, everywhere. Um, I'll go with <laughs> um, Brandon Ingram, just because of the storyline, and if he has a great counting stat year and then Laurie Markkinen I think perhaps um has a chance to get some buzz if he plays very well and that's probably it that was different mm. oh Norman Powell but I would these aren't guys I actually think are going to have a chance I just think the opportunity's there that's all beautiful ball with Neil we're coming down the shoot here man yeah, I'll tell you about my um, success next week gambling. There you go. Back on. There yeah. you go. Next Tuesday, back with Neil. We'll break down a couple more of these futures wagers, and uh, he'll tell us what's going on with preseason betting. Thanks, Neil. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you then. We have a damn fine time. I hope that that's. I hope we're not having too much fun with the betting stuff. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. I, I I happen to really think this is interesting and fun, and and kind of shakes things up a little bit once a week on the pod, and then of course. Once we get into the actual season, we'll have betting stuff, uh, a little five to ten minute blip on uh, pretty much every episode. Want to remind you guys to check out our title sponsor here of all audiovisual elements at HoopBall. Those are our buddies, of course, at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. 
Hawaiian Isles on Amazon, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, Taste the Aloha. Taste the Aloha. That's what our buddy Adrian Benjamins likes to say about it. Um, They have these great gifts, too, birthdays, holidays, whatever it happens to be. They got K-Cups. They've got uh, a 10% discount if you sign up for their email list. You can bring Hawaii home with you. Uh, it is available at some stores, select stores on the Western Seaboard, but you can get it anywhere in the world. Uh, if you get it on uh, on Amazon or through their website, they do uh, ship far away. You heard on our show last week that the great Josh Lloyd had had some of it. It is delightful. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check them out, hawaiianisles.com. We're going to be talking to the Welsh here momentarily. We'll also have another coupon code. I mean, I just like the laundry list of things that I got to get through on any given podcast is is pretty crazy. But I also wanted to very quickly hit on because we're into media days now, which means that there's actually news happening from time to time. Uh, And a couple of the key nuggets over the last few days are one, Willie Colley Stein hurt his foot. Uh, It's a left foot sprain and is expected to be out until the beginning of November at least, which means that there is a little ramp there for Kevon Looney, who's already kind of your late-round plotting center type, but may have just a little bit of extra wiggle room in the first part of the year. I, I don't think that it pushes him up your charts all that much, uh, but it certainly does give him a little bit of some kind of standing. At least you're like, I'm going to snap him up in the 10th, 11th round and, and see what he can do. This might give you some confidence to start him right out of the shoot. We also heard from Sixers Media Day that they'd like to get Joel Embiid on the floor for as many games as possible, but scale back the minutes that he's on the floor in each game. Because last year, Embiid played 34 minutes a game, and they feel like that played a a large part in knocking him down to only 64 games. He's got the knee issues. We've heard about weight loss, but you know that storyline for everybody in the offseason. If you're thin, you put on 25 pounds of muscle. If you were thick, you drop 25 pounds of thick. Um, I don't put much stock into that side of things, but if we get into this season and you see that he's only playing 30 to 31 minutes a game, I would actually consider trading for him because I think that would augur better. And it's kind of like what we saw out of Kyle Lowry a couple years ago. They started to dial the minutes back, and the games played went up when they didn't have the, the championship aspirations quite the same way that they did with Kawhi, where you know you saw guys getting extra rest time. The lower minutes does tend to help these guys that have the nagging stuff. So I thought those were kind of interesting little tidbits that, uh, that mixed in with some of the other stuff. Hit me up on Twitter again, at Dan Bespris. I'm taking questions all day, folks. It's this time of year. Um, whenever I'm at the computer, I'd love to chat with you guys. I think this is one of the fun parts, prepping for the season. I like interacting on Twitter. It keeps me occupied when I take my eyes off of other stuff that I feel bored with. So uh, hit me up. Again, Dan Bespris, D-A-N, last name is uh, B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam. I uh, want to also remind you guys, because I probably should have brought it up even during our segment with Neil, to check out our other partner here on Fantasy NBA Today, and that's our buddies at mybookie.ag. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, watch a little sports, bet on it. Just saying. Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than my bookie they've got the fastest payouts better lines they've got player perks you can actually bet fantasy stats on the football games it's where we at hoopball will be playing this coming nba season and where you should as well one of the things that they have one of their taglines for my booking it's my favorite is where you're betting is just as if not more important 
than who you're betting on. I love that line. You want to be able to trust the place where you're dropping your wagers. My bookie is that place. Go there now. Start an account. Use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. When you're opening up that first account, they will match your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. MyBookie.ag. Play, win, get paid. Time to visit with the regal one. I'm going to refrain from adding any uh, modifiers, and I'm just going to say one of the two halves of the <laughs> ITL guys. <laughs> this is how I, this is how diplomatic I am, right? Um, I love you guys so much. You're the best. Is it the Welsh? I ask you, and also a Twitter handle, Lord Welsh. It's been a little bit. How are you, Lord Dan Bespris? I really I need you to be a lord. I want. Me I think too. it fits. I want you to be a lord. All they need to do, by the way, I mean, I don't want to make it like anybody can become a lord. Boy, <laughs> anybody can become a lord. We had, if, a, um, if I we can. had a group of listeners because uh, we got, you know, we've been around for a long time and we've got a bunch of different things that we do. And we got a very loyal audience because we're knuckleheads and we do all this stuff. But so we had some people, we do this Christmas special uh, called uh, Deck Our Balls, if you will. Yeah. Um, I wish and, we would. I think it was the first year a bunch of guys chipped in and what they did was they bought us land in Glencoe. And if you owned a pl- if you own a plot <laughs> of land story. in Glencoe, you are officially a lord. So Bogman and I are officially lords. Yeah. And I think you could become one too. Just can need you, a listener to buy you some land. Can you guys gift me a small, like, little wedge off of your small wedge of land? Can I be like, it, what's the what's a step down from Lord? Isn't there something between Lord and Surf? I don't know. I don't you know. know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty back. sure we own about a one foot by one foot <laughs> square. So I could maybe get you like a Ritz cracker size. I'll maybe take like it. a week then. Well, look at, listen, Ritz crackers, I don't know if you remember those old commercials because we're about the same age. Those were really classy crackers. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I was always a wheat thin guy, though. I'm still to this day. Like, I, I feel like wheat thins are a very disrespected cracker that I don't understand. Like, I want to go out and get their chips or, you know, I feel like the, um, the middle ground. You know, Triscuits are just horrendous. They're giant. They're just, they're so, oh, they're so painful, they're too. Gross. But what people do is they'll, they'll have, uh, like, both sides where they're like, well, I don't want a cracker. I don't want a chip. So they'll have, like, a Pringle. But, like, wheat thins, they make you feel like you're eating something healthy when you're not. But they also are good on their own. I think it's a standalone fantastic cracker. Those Lord are the Welsh, hard that I pro-wheat thin. I knew something was going to come out of this pod today. Uh, I would take the wheat thin <laughs> with the 13th overall pick in a hoop ball mock is what I would do. Would you take the wheat thin or would you take Boggs Mitchell Robinson? No, clearly a wheat thin. We, <laughs> listen, I can't justify uh, Mitchell Robinson at 13, but I can justify a wheat thin. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. How hey, fun uh, was that, by the way? How that, fun was that? We had fun over on, on the End of the League Fantasy Basketball podcast talking about all the vitriol around his his pick and uh, cheap plug here, but Jonas, our boy Jonas Nader, just joined uh, the In This League podcast mm-hmm. on the Tuesday or the Wednesday episode, and uh, more defense of Mitchell Robinson as there should be mm. as a top twenty pick. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah Jonas was uh, was going fast and furious uh, on uh, on Tuesday afternoon. He recorded with me, and then he immediately went to you guys. I've just recorded with Bogman and immediately came over to you. So we're yes, like a you know, is... symbiotic relationship we all have. That's a nice way to put it. I was going to call it incestuous, but yours is um, less gross. Hey, um, wanted to, by the way, and I probably should have done this off air, but 
Congratulations to all the stuff you guys have going on. You guys are going big time. Uh, yeah, something like that. Thank you very much. You're we welcome. have always been overextended is a good word I like to use for it. But if people follow along, you know, In This League is in its sixth year of the Fantasy Basketball Podcast. That's where we started. And within the last year, you know, we, we take on a lot of stuff. We do a show over on Fan Tracks. It's a baseball football-based show. We've had a radio show on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for three years, and we've been doing we – do, we do basketball coverage over there. But the two things – one was a big step for me is I've been co-hosting the CBS Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Yep. Which, so if you're a baseball person, the reason it's big is because they're the biggest podcast, and they asked me to come on with uh, their crew of guys, Chris Towers, people may be familiar with, and all of them. Course. But the other one, which you might be referring to as well, was we did a show for the NBA – last year, mm -hmm. an NBA product show called NBA Takeaways. And I think we're going to be back for a second season, and that'll be coming up, I think, in October. So that's thank you. Both of those. Yeah, I was referring to both, but that's absolutely awesome. I said it uh, when talking to Jonas, actually, and so that pod aired on uh, Wednesday the 25th, that like I, I feel like you guys, you and Boggs, are the, the fantasy slash sports slash doing it all the stuff, guys, that everyone is constantly rooting for because you're just the good guys of this industry so uh congratulations on that and thank you for joining the mock and coming on the show it's good to talk to you again of course man and make sure i, I can think of a few guests i'd love for you to mention all the great things that we're doing too when you have them on this show just really like hone it in yeah dig it in always Let them know. always uh your twitter handler is as i mentioned early on is it the welsh it's a, it's it? a sentence and a handle it's all the things. Follow the it immediately. Question. If, I, if I could put a question mark at the end of it, I would have done that because that that was my life. Everyone's like, is, is it, it the, the Welsh? Yeah. Like we, that, need, say we really need to do the go the Ron Burgundy route on that one, right? Like the edge? Is, is the edge? I'm like, no, just the Welsh. Is it the Welsh? Hell and there's no C in it. It's not like the purple drink. It's not Welsh. No. Welsh. W-E-L-S-H. Simplify. Thank Simplify you. your Thank life. Um, how, well, by the way, how have you been? Um... Baseline, sl baseline sleepy, mostly sleepy. That's my, that's my existence. <laughs> Toddler existence, you know. What you just did, by the way, was the sound of a dad that was that for one moment something wasn't made about everybody else. I'm like, how are you doing? And you're like, like you did the classic dad, like someone cares about, I don't, I don't even know. I haven't thought about myself in two years. Nope. Have it's been a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I just, you, you sort of, at first the, the fatigue hits you like a sack of doorknobs. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well this is just, this is just normal. I'm a, no. I work from home, so I'm a shuttle service for preschool and other whatnot, and Aaron running, and then everything else gets wedged in in between, and that's okay. That's just how it is. Okay. Um, let's talk about your fantasy team. Let's talk about your draft, because sure. um, you and I, our existence in life is to make sure that um, Boggs doesn't have any fun. We... Uh, we take job. To, we do a fantastic job at that, by the way. I mean, we're trying, right? <laughs> Please yeah. do us try. We're the old curmudgeonly sorts, uh, and yours and my fantasy teams tend to look fairly similar. You had a few guys that went kind of outside the typical Lord Welsh, old man, Bespris crew, and we'll we'll get to all of those. But you had the number one overall pick, so you know, apologies on that one coming out your way. And Anthony Davis, number one. I love it. I don't know why people are overcomplicating this. This is a nine-cat roto mock. Uh, are people really afraid he's going to miss a ton of time? I mean, this it's hard to say anything is a no-brainer because there's so many good guys right at the top. But to me, AD has such a clear path. So 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even need you to, to talk about this pick, but maybe just well, the top five overall. Yeah, I mean, I would just say there's a couple things with it. Boy, do you get a lot of people with a lot of opinions when you tweet out your mock stuff, because I saw so much stuff about the first pick and just, I mean, whether we care about the opinions or not, people, ah, GA's got to be the top guy. It's clearly Curry. Listen, I don't think there is a consensus. I think there's a contingency of people that will look at Carl Anthony Towns as a borderline top five pick. And then there's another that say, well, you want to talk about consistent options that are going to get minutes with lack of uh, shutdown potential. I want Carl Anthony Towns. So I think there's a different flavor for everybody's team construction. Now, I will tell you, GA is someone I did consider at number one. Because in a 12-man, we did an ITL. We've done a couple. We do the ITL live mock draft episodes. And the 12-mans, what I found when I drafted near the top, and I had the number one overall pick, that was what we were joking about, was there are big men in the second the second to third round wheel that I absolutely love. So one mock that I did, I took Anthony Davis. I didn't love the guards. The point guards had kind of gone. Anybody I would have banked on, even to Trey Young, so I ended up looking. I said, listen, I absolutely love Miles Turner and I love DeAndre Ayton. So I took those two. So I ended up my first three picks was Davis, Ayton and Miles Turner. Damn. And it ended up being a team. Yeah, it ended up being a construction that I really liked. But what I started toying around with during the season is thinking about draft position based on other potential guys that are out there, because I don't see a clear cut number one, even when you break format, even when you say, OK, well, what about eight cat? What about, you know, 8-cat, then James Harden comes up a little bit. I, I just don't think so. I think team construction can play a role where the top five, there's a justification to take Towns, Davis, Harden, Antetokounmpo, and Curry all in different orders based on the construction you want to do. You make a good point about the end of the second, beginning of the third, because the the point guards in the second round, which have generally been Trey Young, Kemba Walker, uh, Drew Holiday, if he falls into the second round, Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, uh, those guys often go earlier. And yeah. then if you're looking at the third round, it's sort of Donovan Mitchell. If you call him a point guard, De'Aaron Fox. Nobody wants Donovan Mitchell. No, no. He's He's been, he, he had a Maybe. rough, <laughs> had a rough but like, go. But here's my problem. Okay, so De'Aaron Fox, I didn't mean to interrupt you on it, but like De'Aaron Fox, it, it's a good point. That's one, That's maybe the guy here unless Westbrook falls to you or, you know, like, I don't know, Booker or something like that. But then you get to this space and this is where I have a hard time. Can you justifiably take De'Aaron Fox over a guy like Rudy Gobert? Now, maybe no. you just like him better. I can't do that. So I start to get in a position where I say, OK, I see these needs. I see that I need to get a guard in here and I've already got a big man. Maybe I have two, but they're so clear cut the best players I'm a type of person, and I really love that team construction that I had in the ITL mock where I just said, listen, I'm going to be behind the gun here, but I can make do later if, you know, pending what I'm doing with my percentages and turnovers, I can look at guys like Ricky Rubio for big uh, assists. I can look at, I'm not afraid, you and I are a little bit different where you literally hate young people. You hate anybody <laughs> that's a millennial. I actually still like some rookies, but I've become more conservative, but a guy like John Morant. I'll take Morant to get my rebounds and assists. So I was okay, and I actually feel more comfortable pivoting, trying to get my other forwards and guards when I've absolutely dominated my big men. I'm killing rebounds. I'm killing blocks. I'm killing field goal percentage. And in some cases, I might be okay with points with those guys. So I actually like that team construction. And just Anthony Davis is just uh, an across the board, as you know, I would call them, Dan, 
a stuffing, stuffing things. things. Absolutely. Well, Not in this particular stuffs. draft, Russell Westbrook actually fell to you at the end of the second, which is frankly, probably where he should be going, but he almost never drops that low. So that, I guess, helped you say, all right, well, you know what? I got my center in the first, and I didn't think I was going to have a point guard opportunity here, but lo and behold, you did. And this is, I think we even talked about it during the, in the, in the draft chat room where it was like, hey, this, fi- this guy finally went where he was supposed to one time. Yeah, I saw you say that, and I, I think I agree. I've always been a Westbrook fan. I'm pivoting, of course, a little bit more off of him, but in this case, at pick 24, you know, I had my pick of the litter. And frankly, being able to take what Russell Westbrook after Anthony Davis and then who I took in the third round, I can't imagine more of an ideal startup for all of my stuff and things. Now, Westbrook immediately puts me back and I have to figure out if I'm going to pivot off of this or not later in the draft where he puts me behind in turnovers and he's put my field goal percentages in question. But. Everything else I feel great with. I feel great with my rebounds. I've now got my assist guy. I'm praying to God he's going to be more efficient in Houston to see how they're going to work both of these guys. If Westbrook, I would assume, going to work more off the ball. We'll have to see what it hits with his counting stats, but you know, an opportunity that maybe he's going to be aligned more with better shots and uh, he can be a higher percentage guy. But still, it's it's a it's not even a calculated risk at that point anymore. It's just that's where he should go. And the point guards get so gross. I'll take Westbrook and his few deficiencies and see if either a I can counter them or b I can just build off of them. You're in a tough spot now. You know, no one's going to feel bad for you having the first pick overall, but you are now effectively after the first round, you're on a turn. So you also have to calculate who the hell is going to get back to me in 25 picks at this point? So there's also that element that you're thinking of here, which is like, look, there's all these guys in the middle of this next round and coming back the following round. I can't take them this early. You can't like go grab a fourth rounder at the first pick of the third round, just because maybe that was a guy that would have made sense as, as a build guy. You're stuck on the turn. And I talked about this actually when um, with Bogman, you sort of, it's funny that you two ended up at both ends of this thing. I was, and I was about to say, like, <laughs> he did the opposite of what you're saying. Like, he was the guy that said, well, I'm going to just take my guy. I'm going to yeah. take my guy, even though, you know, I mean, like, the, the, it was annoying. The, the Mitchell Robinson stuff is annoying seeing a lot of people complain when it doesn't really seem justified. It's almost like people are like, hey, look, Mitchell Robinson's like 109 on ESPN. How could you take him? Well, they readjusted and the guy's in like the top 25 now. So it seems like a lot of uninformed takes that happen with Mitchell Robinson. Yet I stop there and say, I'm not taking him where Bogman took him. No. I, was, I would clearly take Turner. I would clearly take Rudy Gobert. I'd have taken Andre Drummond. I'm a very value based draft guy with obviously the players that I want, but Bogman will sometimes like what he did with Mitchell Robinson. He did the opposite of what you just said. He said, well, I'm taking my guy because I have a long stretch and I have to have him where I don't necessarily sit in that camp a lot of the time. I, I like, I like the deals to fall to me. I'm going to take the best players when they do fall to me because I know I can readjust while the draft goes on. Yeah. And that's, that's actually more my camp as well. I do think both sides, you're sort of working an interesting mental game there with, uh, for the way that we tend to go, the mental game is as soon as I found out I'm either pick one or pick 12, I immediately have to start reconciling this notion in my mind that there are like 80% of the guys that I might have been targeting, I'm going to have zero chance of ending up with. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to fall to where I'm picking. And if I pick them there, I've picked them at the wrong time. 
The other school of thought, which is the one that Bogman explained when he and I spoke, is, hey, this is my team. I'm going to go get the guy that I want. Uh, but then I also pressed him a little bit. I said, look, if you had 500 bucks on this league, would you have taken Mitchell Robinson at 13? And he said, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Yeah. So and there's see, a fun element to it. I diff- I mean, and I, and I appreciate the idea. I do think it's fun to experiment in mock drafts. I like to test things. I think that's the best thing to do. You know, I think too many people go into mock drafts and every single time it's like, I'm going to just make the best team I possibly can. See what happens. Well, what happens in a mock draft is most likely not going to happen in any real draft. This is a little different when you or I or whatever, we put together these type of industry ones or, you know, we've got a lot of hardcore ITL army members that are drafting with us. That's a little bit different, but I don't like to approach just like, I'm going to just every time go get the best guys. I want to experiment. This oh, is yeah. the time for me to mess around. I want to see where players fall, but I want to see what does a, a, a three big man team look like? What does, what does my big man situation look like if I take a bunch of guards? And in Bogman's case, what does my team look like if I reach for Mitchell Robinson because I have to have him. This is when you want to experiment with stuff. Not so much absolutely taking a mock and ripping it apart is finding the pieces that you can see team construction that can help you make decisions later. And that's where I find, you know, it's informative. I also take my value-based drafting kind of as a a main key to that. I'll value-based draft based on whatever strategy I'm going with. And in this case, by the way, I did just do, I'm going to make the best available team because I'm doing it, you know, with you in the industry, guys. My favorite mock draft, Chris, is one I'm not in. That's, I think, maybe the best. On it, right? Like, isn't that what you're talking about? Where you can just see where everybody else is going and you can make your plan accordingly. Yeah, well, that's what I'm I'm kind of saying that to the listeners. Like, you know, it's good to go through here... I'm coming back to where people are like, oh, my God, how does this guy go? How does this happen? Why does this person do this? Well, shut up and just go and dissect and say, yeah, well, what does that look like? What did that t- you know, learn from this? For me, I know what you're saying. I, I agree. Like, I enjoy going and, and deconstructing mock drafts. But when I'm in them, I've got I've got a multitude of different plans that I want to take. And more often than not, especially over on the ITL side, you know, if I'm doing a one off like this, I want to, you know, come guns a blazing. ITL is where I'm going to, I'm an experiment and I've been doing that. You know, we did a 15 man where I went two guard heavy. I, I passed on Joel Embiid, which you know is tough for me, Dan. You know that. <laughs> I, I do <laughs> know that. <laughs> I had the ninth pick. I think it was. I passed on Joel Embiid because I wanted to do a guard draft. And I ended up taking Kyrie Irvin at nine because Lillard went right before me. And that was me experimenting with the teams. Normally something I'm not doing because Joel Embiid is my, my child. I love him. <laughs> love him like family. As Bogman good. says, I am like his uh, his father, his yeah. father. Good, good genome there. That's strong, man. I don't know how you made someone that good at basketball. Uh, I do what I, I do. What I do. Well done. Um, all right, rumbling along. Blake Griffin, Chris Middleton was your uh, four-five turn. Um, Bl- we talk, this- yeah, Rudy Gobert. By the way, was my third. Pick. Oh yeah, sorry, we jumped right over that one. Yeah, we we talked so much about how you like centers and Rudy on this turn. This is an easy spot to take Gobert. This this feels didn't this feel like he fell pretty far? Uh, I felt like. Westbrook and Gobert were just easy, no-brainer picks. It's like, yeah, I get what comes with Westbrook, but this is it. And Rudy Gobert, I just didn't think was going to happen. I thought I was going to be taking uh, Miles Turner or um, who was I? Oh, Aiton went before me. I had had Aiton on my mind, but Rudy Gobert was number one. So these were no-brainers. So starting Davis, Westbrook, and Gobert was lights out, fantastic start for me. But then four and five, this is where a lot of guys did not fall back and – I don't know. I don't like the Blake Griffin one came from 
kind of a, a Westbrook take where I took Westbrook and I was like, well, I'm already, you know, I'm down a little bit. Maybe turnovers are going to be out of the question. And Blake Griffin's going to score me points where I've lost him with Gobert. He's going to get me rebounds and out of position assists. I don't love that one. And I frankly, I'm not sure I even love the Chris Middleton one, but I'm a Chris Middleton guy. I just don't love this round. Four and five, I felt like I was just missing out on talent. Like the beginning of four had, you know, Chris Paul and DeRozan was in there, but I just felt a little devoid of talent in four and five. Yeah, you're in a weird spot, actually, to be the number one pick uh, coming back in four and starting five because there's a lot of guys that seem to fall towards the middle end of five. And this is where, again, you're presented with this option. Do I take this guy maybe like six, seven, eight spots before he really needs to come off the board? Or what do I do here? Like, uh, oh, I don't know, looking at some guys that that came after him, like uh, Al Horford, who tends to go towards the end of round five. Could you see yourself taking someone like that eight to ten picks earlier, even though you know, ah, man, like this is a value guy. I should be letting him drop, but he's not coming back to me. You're in a weird spot there. I 100% could have because Horford and Eric Bledsoe were the two guys I I was battling between Griffin and and Middleton. Interesting. I was going through Bledsoe, Horf, a little bit of Jason Tatum too. Those were a couple guys that I was locked into in trying to make my decisions. But I felt like Griffin was more of a, a construction and where the team was heading play. And Middleton to me was kind of the value of like, well, you know, I don't need a guy like Thomas Bryant because of my big man. I don't need to worry about Brooke Lopez. I don't need to you know stretch on those guys. Middleton, I felt like, was just a great value in round five. So that's yeah. why I went with him. And he... I mean, last year kind of was about as bad as it could get for Chris. Uh, He's a very safe play. You know how I feel about safe plays. That's I'm I'm pro them. (laughs) Uh, 6-7, your next duo, Ricky Rubio and Jared Allen. Uh, You already mentioned Ricky Rubio actually earlier in our in our little hit here. He's he's a he is really prime for a bounce back, especially on a garbage like not not a garbage team, but a garbage ball kind of team teams that are going to run and go for steals. The inner, the inner hoop ball just came out of you. Your, your, your site wide hate of the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself. You I like Bruce. a lot of the fantasy players on them this year. Um, there's a lot of value. These articles is Brewski going to write this year. A um, lot. At least 15. I hope at least it's <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get blocked but, by but more the, sons, uh, more sons blogs. That's the goal. Well, they're not very good. So continue doing that. Don't worry <laughs> about that. But like Ricky Rubio, I think is in line with a really good, I think this is a good young core. Like, I mean, pick and roll all day long, Rubio to DeAndre Ayton, who wants to be a, you know, score first power forward on the team, dish it out to Booker. Ricky Rubio should be seven to eight assists a game. I hope he can be a little bit more efficient in Phoenix. That would be the hope here. I'm playing, I'm playing with a little bit of fire, but again, I'd already seen kind of the construction of the team and this might not be great long-term, but I already had put some questions with my percentages um, with Westbrook, so Rubio just kind of fit that. And it's now I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm taking categories and I'm taking them away from everybody else. So I felt like with you take Blake, Westbrook, and Davis, I'm taking points out of people's hands. I'm taking rebounds out. I'm absolutely taking blocks, and I'm now trying to take assists and steals with guys like Westbrook and Rubio. And it might come at the cost, unfortunately, in a puntish type of way it might be coming at the cost of percentages yeah i just you know i don't think he's gonna shoot that much anyway so i don't know that that's gonna hurt you in a way that it it could and you have gobert who's one of the best field goal percent guys in the nba and anthony davis 
excellent as well. And you added Jared Allen here in the next round as well. I also, just a final thought on Rubio, you know, if you're looking at some of the next point guards that, that came off the board here, Terry Rozier, so if you're worried about field goal percent, I mean, there's your guy. Um, yeah. Delon Wright, I mean, that's a round and a half later. Marcus Smart, Derek White, th- these are massive risk guys. Uh, maybe Jeff Teague, like two rounds down the line as a potential slightly safer point guard play. It thins out considerably after Ricky Rubio. I, I 100% agree, and that was why that was kind of the push. You know, there's some guys that I liked coming back. Like, you know, I look at the Jared Allen pick, and it's a little bit wonky just in, you know, fully how is he going to mesh and work with uh, Jordan. And I look back on it, hindsight, maybe Whiteside would have been the better pick. Um kind of going through there but if you're coming back to the guards the only other guys I was looking at were Josh Richardson I like Oladipo but the timeline I love Oladipo frankly but the timeline is just scary very they just scary. seem like they, these seem like solid picks to fit the construction of the team I was building yeah I think I mean I I'm actually higher on Jared Allen than most I I I, I don't I don't understand the DeAndre Jordan four-year thing he's clearly on the decline but whatever um, we can, we can deal with that another time, I suppose. Uh, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, we love our smoking Joe over here at hoop ball. He was actually one of the, uh, one of the names that brew gave out last week on the pod as not, I don't want, he didn't, we, we don't like to call guys sleepers cause there's sort of no one that nobody doesn't know about anymore, but, uh, wildly underappreciated still despite back-to-back good seasons, um, this is this is a great pick at the end of the eighth round, and you get more assists, you get uh, steals. I mean, you you yep. just said, Chris, you're building a stuff and things team. He's that kind of guy. That's exactly what it was. I needed to uh, I needed to get some more threes, and that's what I was doing with Ingles and Bogdanovich uh, with both of these picks. I got points. Ingles gives me, um, as we say, the stuff and things type of ability with assists. You got some steals in there. Again, these were good constructural plays to the team that I was. The core is Davis, Westbrook, Gobert for some consideration, Griffin, and then you know guys like Middleton, stuff and things, Ruby. I mean, there are guys that put up zeros in certain categories, but that's why you get the dominance and you find as many stuff and things. Then what I can do is I can deal with a uh, Ricky Rubio if there's you know I could deal with a guy with a lack of threes I can deal with a lack of this over here so I, I was I'm so far very happy with this draft I mean if I had any question it's still Blake still feels like a sore thumb kind of on this team but overall I like it so far. <laughs> yeah Blake not a massive fan of Blake but I mean Boyan this is he's a weird top 100 kind of guy he there there aren't a ton of other things besides the scoring categories but. What people may not have known about him is that he hit two threes a game last year while shooting 50% from the field. There are not many guys that can get you threes without clobbering your field goal percent. He happens to be one of them. So, uh, well, she were talking about a a fear there. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you were talking about having a fear with percentages. He's a guy that helps you in both of them. Yeah, nailed it. I should have shut up. You were talking right into it. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to add is that is exactly the point is you know, some could say, okay, this is a complete punt, but I'm doing some pivot playing. Like he's a pivot play to say, well, maybe I don't lose field goal percentage. I got some big men that are awesome. And maybe Westbrook doesn't suck as much as we think he is. And if that ends up being the case, now I'm bringing in some, you know, high percentage type of guys that are going to help me maybe not only get out of the cellar, but maybe be heavily competitive in that category. Yeah. It's worth noting that Rudy Gobert 
was the second most impactful field goal percent guy in the entire NBA last year, behind only Clint Capella, who played 15 fewer games, so I can almost make him basically tied for number one with Giannis. I mean, that Rudy Gobert shooting 64% can wipe out a lot of problems in that category. I like it a lot. Yeah. that's. <laughs> I sent my wife that gift the other day. It had nothing to do with anything that people would imagine. Uh, I just deserve to get punched in the face all the time. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, Willie Cauley-Stein, as we approach sort of the take-a-shot rounds, I like to call them. Um, Kuz is uh, kind of a points guy. So are you looking to, to buttress the scoring element on your team here? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a couple of those guys. You know, I don't like the Jared Allens, the Rudy Gobert's, I do, and R- Ricky Rubio's. So I think I'm obviously looking for points. I think I might have higher hopes than a lot of people on Kuz just because – you know, if he if he's going to be the six man, I think he's going to be a top offensive scoring guy. I also just think he could be I think he could be primed into a situation where he's not quite a stuff and things player. But maybe we see an uptick on the assist. Maybe the points become more um, elite. Maybe the three pointers drop. I actually think he could improve on a team that brought in Anthony Davis and LeBron James just by virtue of needing more mouths out there, more mouths to feed type of thing, that he's one of those guys that could uh, be a beneficiary since you've taken off really the other options out there. I don't view Danny Green as an option. I view (laughs) Kyle Kuzma as that. So I think he's just a solid play in the 10th round for points, some rebounds, and maybe I'm pleasantly surprised. And again, a guy that almost had two threes a game. I'm trying to shore up that category. As you can see, I've been building categories throughout this with not just the the overall balanced players, but I'm building the categories with blocks and rebounds of Gobert and Davis, assists with Ricky Rubio and Westbrook, and now I'm trying to get my threes with Ingles, Bogdanovich, and you know Kuzma's going to play a role in that. Yeah, there are plenty of threes late in drafts. That seems to be one of the turns here in the modern NBA. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein, I, don't, I, I actually have no idea what his role is going to be in Golden State. What are you hoping to get out of him? Well, I, I don't either, but I'm I'm hoping to get a guy that's going to get significant minute, minutes in a Golden State offense that might be devoid of a potential few options. And I'm hoping the best case scenario is maybe I can get a double-double guy. You know, maybe, I mean, what was it last year? Just under 12 points, eight and a half rebounds. I might be able to push 10 rebounds, maybe 13 points. Maybe he can get up closer to a block. Get me something like that in Golden State on a high-powered offense. I mean, opportunity will be there opportunity when he's on the court the question like you said is i don't know what the role looks like i'm just hoping he's more talented than the rest of the guys and it's just you know it's a flyer yeah take a shot at this point in a draft there's no point in taking a a safe name once you get to this realm as much as i preach safe drafting this is not the time for it this is where you want to go grab a guy where you're like well there's an 80 percent chance that i drop him after three weeks and a 20 percent chance that he just blows me away and that's worth it at this point there there were a couple guys in here I'd consider one that I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed I didn't take and I knew I should have because it wasn't going to make it back was um, Jonas with Brandon Clark. Like Brandon Clark was somebody that I wanted and I considered. I was like maybe one more round. That would have been someone I would have considered, even though he's not necessarily the same position. But I'm 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 pissed I didn't get that one. I'm pretty annoyed that I ended up with DeAndre Jordan in this round. That one, I had my thumb up my you know what. Uh, 12th and final round since I ended up abandoning all ye who enter here. The, the this, cousins round? The cousins <laughs> round? <laughs> yeah. Well, the draft went totally haywire. Um, so the 12th round, I actually had you pick 
manually, and I think you chose two guys that had already been taken. You were like, yeah, screw yeah. it. Well, you didn't even give me options. You're just like, hey, who do you want in this last round? I gave you an option. You're like, oh, he's taken. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this guy. Oh, he's taken, too. I'm like, well, who's not taken, Dan? You just give me, <laughs> yeah, me Jalen Brown. This one doesn't crap. Brown. Well, you know it. what? You took a Cal guy, so I was perfectly happy to throw him on your team. I'm good with that. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not. You're a Cal person like me. What's California? that? Or California. Yeah. Hell yeah. Jalen Brown. I know. I just forgot. I just forgot. Like, like you're, I'm a Bay Area guy. I forgot you have the appreciation for uh, California as well. I know. I'm pouring some out for Ivan Rabb since I don't think he's going to play in the NBA this year. I don't think so either. I think that's safe. My Cal Bears are actually decent at football so far this season. So I guess I'll take that. You follow football. Yeah, I'll take, take Jalen Brown. I don't, follow, I don't follow college football that much. That's a Bogman question. More than Mitchell I do. Robinson and college football for Bogman. <laughs> and everything else. Yeah. You. Uh, and that's that. All right, so wrap it all up. Put a bow on it for me, Welsh. How do you feel about this team overall? What are you strong at? What do you feel like maybe slipped through your fingers? Uh, what did you learn from drafting at the one in a, a weird industry draft where everybody's got their targets? That sort of makes these ones a little more unique. I learned people love to complain. Uh, people love to only be right. People love to let everybody know what garbage. Oh, you're, you're asking me about my my draft, not what people said <laughs> after the draft or during it on Twitter. Yeah, I got yelled. Uh, I got yelled at a few times myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intolerable. I, I forget sometimes how intolerable people can be. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Well, okay. come talk to me, angry old man Vespers. I'm happy to yell about kids on my lawn and whatnot. Uh, you and me, we yell all the time about people off air. It's great. <laughs> Best time I have. Me and Dad, I love Dad. Somebody asked me the other day, we have um, we have a Patreon, longstanding Patreon on ITL, and uh, we've got a basketball grooming room that's a part of it. And I don't remember the context if we were saying we were having you on or whatever it was. And someone in the room was just said this. They said, Dan seems like the nicest guy. <laughs> I've and cultivated I, I responded it. and I said, let me tell you something. Dan is better than he comes across on air. I said, Dan is one of my favorite people in the entire industry because you are genuinely the best. And my favorite thing is because you are so nice. It is so great when we can get together and just talk about people behind the back. Because <laughs> it feels more fun with you. No, I'm just kidding. You know what? Um, I, listen, I actually have a theory on sports broadcasters as a whole. I don't trust them until they clown on someone. Because there are so many, I mean, I went to baseball winter meetings for many years when I worked in the minors, and uh, you could always spot a, a blossoming young, young broadcaster because on Sunday night, they were all happy. They were all like, I don't know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I think is the expression I was looking for. Uh, and then on Monday, it's kind of like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm applying for 15 uh, unpaid internships as number two broadcasters and media relations guys. I'm not going to sleep, but whatever. It's a great opportunity. And then on Tuesday, they got like two interviews. And on Wednesday, they got nothing. And then there's just a bunch of like unironed suits and sad faces. Uh, but the one thing that runs throughout all of these people is that they will not speak ill of the process. It's just like, well, it was a great learning experience. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was awful. You got your, you know what, handed to you. It's okay to call someone a dick or that this was awful or whatever. If you're not going to be real with me, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to assume you're going to stab me in the back the first chance you get. So give me something. Yeah. Like, I'll trust Real you. I'll, exa yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. long rant. Long Take rant our over. Show notes of a guest we had and put it on your show. <laughs>
Oh, I'm talking about someone specifically that steals stuff. Yeah. Uh, back to the draft. <laughs> I liked your I liked your diatribe, by the way. Mm. Dan's my favorite. You're yeah. just the best person. I, I just have beef, man. I had a broadcaster buddy of mine that that told this whole story about how he... I don't know why I'm telling this on air, but whatever. It is what it is at this point. Um, who was sabotaged by his uh, superior. Told him the wrong time to show up on certain days so that the head mm. boss would get mad. Um, lied to like the team about him, um, ended up his, his superior, the guy between him and the head boss ended up on like this drug fueled rampage and just like calling out names and doing all this horrible stuff. And he was telling this story to someone else. And the other guy's response legitimately was, well, you persevered. And it's like, no, if that's Mm -hmm. what you took away from that story, you're the kind of person I don't trust in this world. Um, if you, if, if you, if you talk bleep to me, I know I can trust you. But yeah, I do try to be nice. <laughs> I, I'm so proud of myself. I got all of this out of you. Yeah. I just gave everybody in this audience. They're just absolutely loving it. Yeah, so I, I hope so. Out. But that's how you got to go sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, man, back to the, the draft. <laughs> all right. That. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk crap about my team. We'll talk, we can talk crap about someone. As soon as we get off air, we're going to start yelling. But um, just finishing this up, I'm happy with the team. You know, I think um, I'm not sure I learned something from. I've been doing this long enough that I can read the room and I can. Yeah. I was calling. I can call picks that you and you know Jonas are going to do. And I know a lot. I've been around a lot of these other industry guys that I don't think there's things that surprise me in following the trends. I, I think the biggest takeaways I had was trying to follow the trends of where a guy like Zion would go, where were the rookies going to go in something like this, where were chances going to be made, and I felt like people also kind of taking their guys it, it ended up giving me opportunities and opportunities were Westbrook falling. Um, I felt like, you know, Middleton was a, it was a half decent fall in the category. And I was able to kind of just follow along and not worry about what anybody was doing. And ultimately, you know, the early set of this kind of set the tone of what I wanted to build. And I felt like I almost did it in blocks where I was able to build, all right, I'm lacking in this category. The next two rounds is dedicated here and because I had players that were trying to contribute uh, contribute across the board, stuff and things, players that it enabled me to take you know take an L on a category in a certain spot, and I was able to construct a team that ultimately, at the end of the day, you know turnovers could be a problem, field goal percentage may be a problem, but I think I'm competitive across the board, if not elite in multiple categories. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah, well said. He is Lord Welsh. Is it the Welsh on Twitter at in this league pod? You can follow that on Twitter as well. Uh, in this league.com is the website. My two favorite humans on planet earth. Um, and yes, I, I, I like to think of myself, Chris, sometimes as a little bit like Larry David, where I try to be nice, but secretly I just don't understand anybody. <laughs> it's just fun. It's funny that like, I'll get you, I can get you worked up on that stuff because we talk industry and we talk off the line. And, and also, you know, people know from us, like, you know, we're different. We're not, um, you know, we're me and Bogman don't try to come on and be too crazy uh, analytical. We do all the stuff. We want to provide the good shows, but we don't thrive into one area. There's a sector of an audience of people that are just like, stay in your lane and just give me the info. They don't like banter. They don't like entertainment. They just want info. We don't feed that. We don't serve that. We're old school radio people. I'm a radio person. I like I like drama, I like poking, I like not backing away from the things that need to be talked about. I don't like to pretend. And that is what we've always done with the basketball podcast that we've uh, built. And that's why we've also become such great friends with you. Yep. 
I think that shows should actually be enjoyable. If it's just like you want 20 minutes of dry stats. Although I have been called pedantic before, so maybe I'm... Oh, shallow and pedantic? Yeah, apparently. I don't know. Uh, Chris, thanks, my man. Thanks, buddy. Is it the Welsh? It was, indeed. That's the Twitter handle, of course, uh, for the other half of In This League. We had the ITL guys here to start this week, Monday and Tuesday. Also, a big thank you to Neil Rochlani for coming on and uh, tickling our degenerate chords here uh, on Fantasy NBA Today, going over the potential winners of Defensive Player of the Year and Most Improved. As soon as we get this uh, NBA season underway, throw a few shekels on those bad boys. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something, but that's just the way it's going to be. At this point, if I forgot to pump something, so uh, so it goes. Uh, Brewski 150, of course, is out. The early bird special drops now to $23.99. I believe... Oh, I didn't give you guys a coupon yet today. Got to do that at the end of the show. I believe that your best move is to get the draft guide and then just wait one week. It's less than that, actually. It's six days, and the B150 will be inserted into the draft guide on October the 7th. You don't have to pay the extra dollars to get it early. Just get the draft guide. You get all the other amazing stuff as well. Uh, that is on sale for $17.99, and you can get it for $14.99 with coupon code Welsh. You probably could have guessed that that was what it was going to be. We've been naming it after all of our pro guests on the show. The coupon code is Welsh, W-E-L-S-H. You get three bucks off of anything over at Hoopball. I happen to think the draft guide is a fantastic deal. I love the pro package because that's the draft guide and our full season premium pass. That already has a discount built in by getting the draft guide and the, and the premium pass together. And then you can knock another three bucks off the price with the coupon code Welsh, W-E-L, or excuse me, W-E-L-S-H. Yeah, I had that right. Uh, so that's your coupon code for today. Tomorrow, we'll talk to Brandon Marcus on the podcast, get some thoughts on what's been going on in his draft universe. We'll also have our continued pro weeks here on Fantasy NBA Today. I believe we are down to five more. Am I getting that right? Adam Stock, Matt Smith, Alex Rickling, Adam King, and Greg Ehrenberg yet to come here on Fantasy NBA Today. So yeah, five more. That'll take us through Tuesday of next week. we got great guests lined up after that as well, and we'll tell you about that when we get there. Folks, have a wonderful Tuesday. This is a long one. A little longer than usual. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow being Wednesday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.